0: A 1,000 may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation.
1: I'm going to ask you to take your Bible or device or whatever you have and open up to Psalm 91 as we continue on in our study through selected psalms. And, uh, you know, I think that Psalm 91 for me, in not only in the reading that Crystal did, and thank you again, Crystal, but the, uh, the ability of studying it has really brought to light to me the reality Uh, of what this psalm really is speaking about. Uh, I'll be honest with you, until this time I'd read through Psalm 91, Uh, I know that I have studied it in parts, but I've never poured over it to to really pull out of it the richness that's here for you and for me. Uh, For those of you that may not know me, my name is John Schultz, and I have the honor of serving on staff here at Fort Caroline. Pastor Ricky Powell Uh, and a team of of seven total, him and six others, are in Ecuador right now. They're on a mission trip. They left yesterday and got in country later last night, and we'll be there all through the week, and we'll fly back next Saturday. So if you're here today for the very first time, know that he'll be back next week, Uh, at least I hope he will. (laughs) He may like it down there so much he won't come back. But uh, if he'd have to do that, Don would have to fly down there, and the kids probably go to Ecuador as well. So... But uh, but pray for him and the team as they minister. Uh, Craig also shared with you uh, something that we're trying to lean into, and that is the devastation out in the panhandle. Uh, we have uh, it. Uh, it has occurred to me that we have not only Scott and Trina Claycomb and Mary Hartley and others that have friends and family that are out in the panhandle. Uh, one of the things that we desire to do is to be able to to provide some goods and services for that uh, effort. Hard to get in there, though, right now. Right now, our plan is to leave here with a trailer on Tuesday if we can get in. Uh, so today and tomorrow, uh, if you have bottled water, cleaning supplies, uh, those kinds of things, if you got the, uh, the either the email or maybe you were on the, the church Facebook page and you saw those things that are there, uh, we'll update a list. We've even got some other things that are there if you can to provide them because it is very difficult for people that are in that area to just get by with the normal things of life. Getting around is a real difficult challenge as well. And getting to the people, actually to get these goods and service to them is a very difficult thing right now. So we're waiting for the roads to open up at least to be able to get in. Our hope is is that we'll be able to get in on Tuesday. And if that is true, then the plan is right now, or the trailer, with it, whatever we have at that point, uh, to leave and to head on out there and uh, and take that. So if you can, bottled water certainly uh, is a staple that is needed a lot in that area because they've, so many have lost everything. Uh, and uh, this psalm really leans into that, I think, in a very effective way. Uh, and uh, Craig, the, the music today could not have been better to align with what Psalm 91 uh, really yeah, really communicates to to us. So if your Bibles are open to Psalm 91, we're going to start. What I uh, would kind of bring to remembrance to you, you may know or you may not know, and that is this particular psalm was one that was composed, many commentators believe, by Moses. Now, I don't know if that surprises you or not, but there are several uh, psalms that are unnamed as far as the author. This happens to be one, and there are others. Uh, psalm 90 is another that the belief is, is that Moses was the author, and then it was eventually compiled together in a number of letters or songs that began to be the book of songs or the book of psalms that we have in our hands today. So Psalm 91 is one that, that to me, when I look at that, I see so many things that are happening around us that when I, when I think about Moses, and the many believe that he wrote this at the very beginning of that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were right at that edge, right at the precipice of being able to head into the land that God had promised them. And they find out, because they've taken the advice that really didn't lead them in the direction that honored God, that God's punishment for them was to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. A whole generation was going to die off. People 20 years old and older were going to die off. They would not see this land. And Moses, as a leader, I believe was needing something to hang on to. He knew because he followed the wrong advice that he led the people in the wrong direction. So he was still the leader, and he needed some hope. He needed something to be thankful for. And I believe that God inspired him then to write the particular psalm we have. Let me ask you a question. How would you fill in the rest of this sentence? I'm thankful that... You fill it in. I'm thankful that... You know, that may be something that in your stage of life you are right now that it would be different than if you're 40 years old, maybe 20 or 30 years before that point. How would you fill that in? It has a lot to do with perspective, doesn't it? has a lot to do with what's going on in my life right now. And I believe that Moses provides for us at least four key ways for you and I to answer that in ways that, that, that we lean into God for who He is and what He's done in our lives. And if I look at verse 1 and 2, I think the first thing that Moses reminds us to be thankful for is that God is my protector. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 91. It says, Whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Do you see the openness to this? It's whoever dwells. Today, if you're here in this place, and if you're like I was for many, many years of my life, I went to church uh, I went to church every now and then. I didn't go to church on a regular basis. That would be false for me to say that. I went to every now and then. I, I would go uh, at Christmas time, and I would participate in maybe Christmas plays or something along that line when I was younger. We may go at Easter. Uh, there was a pancake breakfast at the little church that we were at. They, every, every Easter, they would have an Easter sunrise service, and they'd have a breakfast before that. And I still remember the smell <laughs> Of the pancakes cooking, the breakfast was in the basement of this little church that was across the street from my grandmother's, and I remember just vividly the smell of pancakes cooking, and, and it was a small little kitchen, it was a small church, and we would go there then, but, but as far as church, or Jesus, or Christianity being something in my life that was there on a regular basis, no, it wasn't. If you were to ask me at that point in my life, I was thankful that... It would be dependent on what crowd I was with. Because I was running pretty fast in those first 20, 21 years of my life. Very thankful that God is my protector through those times in my life. And God is reminding Moses, and Moses then reminds the people in us today that whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He is my refuge, my fortress my God in whom I trust. Do you trust Him today? You know, there are certain things in our lives that as we age, we learn to trust Him more in. When we're younger, we know we may know the Lord. We trust Him with some things, but we may not trust Him completely with our future. We'll, we'll trust Him with some of it, but not all of it. <laughs> we'll trust Him with some things. Uh, we'll give Him the keys to some of the rooms in our house, but not all of them. Because there are some that we have to hold on to ourselves. Because, you know, I don't know if I really want to let that key go yet. And God is saying, you know what? I love you. You can trust me. I'm protecting you. I'm, I'm, I'm providing what you need. I'm protecting you. You don't have to worry about that. So many times in my life, I've seen God's protective hand. And one of the things as I was preparing for this, I, I think back at a time... <clears throat> I don't know how old I was, I was in the Navy still, and I was on a hydrofoil out of Key West, Florida, and we, we happened to venture up to Baltimore, Maryland, in that foreign port of Baltimore, Maryland, uh, and uh, to show the flag, that the Navy does often, is when you're, when you're going around in different ports, is you go into a port of call and you show the flag, and we're right downtown Baltimore, the, the aquarium and all those things that were there, and we pulled in, and it would have been a long day, long day. Toward the end of the evening, I wanted to get off the ship to get away from some ship food. If you've ever been in the military, you know that. Military food is great when you're out to sea, but if you have another option, you take the other option. You you go as far as you can away from there. So we did. We left. Uh, me and another guy went, to, and, and I think it was in O'Charlie's, I, I i can't really remember we were probably about 70 maybe at the most between 50 and 100 feet away from the entrance to the restaurant walking in it was dusk it was just darkness was just setting in the street lights were on you know that feeling that you get when you feel like someone's behind you (laughs) well there were there were two people behind us that had come up out of the darkness behind us and said give me your money I thought, yeah, right. And I looked around, and within inches of the back of my head is a very large caliber revolver. Do you know I remember, I said this last hour and as I was preparing for this, I remember those seconds, and they were just seconds, like it was yesterday. The the turning around and, and seeing the gun barrel that close to my head. The military training in me says the hammers pulled back, Mm-hmm. I see bullets on the outside of the revolver, so it isn't like it's a fake gun. Or if it is, it's a pretty good fake gun. I remember telegraphing the movements. I had my wallet in my right pocket, and I said, "My right hand is reaching down to my right wallet pocket right now to get my wallet." I didn't want to do anything that would disturb that. I didn't want to act all that. <laughs> Because I saw two young men that one of them was shaking. He had the gun in his hand, it was just, just shaking. I thought, he's going he's gonna to kill us accidentally or something. <laughs> accidentally on purpose. Took it out, gave it to him. And I gave him mine and the guy that was with me gave him his wallet and they stood there for a second. It felt like it was minutes. I'm sure it was just a couple of seconds. And then they ran away. I remember the, the, the adrenaline rush and then the feeling that we could have been killed right there. I mean, just that quick. There have been many times since in the military and after that I've been very close to losing my life. But I remember that so vividly. And I can tell you this, that I look back now and I am so thankful that God is my protector. Because something in him caused him not to kill us. You can have the wallet. You can replace that. You can replace the money. You can't replace some of the pictures I've had in there. But all of that stuff can either be duplicated or whatever. But God was our protector that night. But do you know what? That saint incident has happened, and you know of them, or maybe it's happened to you, and or you know of someone that it's happened to, and they were shot. And you say, well, why didn't God protect them. Why didn't God watch over them like he did you? Do you think you're more special than they are? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think the thing that this verse begins us thinking about is the reality that trusting in God will not keep you from experiencing bad times, but it will keep you when you go through bad times. And I think that's the perspective that Moses needed to learn. And maybe some of you here need to learn, and that is that knowing Christ as your Savior doesn't mean that you're going to be exempt from going through bad times. But when you go through bad times, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a life group, there's a church, there's family, and there's a Lord who's going to watch over you, He's going to care for you, He's going to provide for you. And that's where verses 3 through 8 back up. Look at uh, verses 3 through 8. I'm so thankful that God is not only my protector, but He's my provider. Verse 3. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night "...nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked." This is, the, this is written from the person's perspective that is conscious of God's providential care during varied situations in life. This speaks of a number of situations. It talks about disease. It talks about warfare. It talks about things that happen to individuals that are all unexpected. You didn't expect that kind of uh, outcome or that event to happen to you. It talks about things that you can't prepare for or prevent. But God is in the middle of this. And He's providing for you. But what we need to come to grips with is this. I needed to come to grips, and I think Moses did, and maybe some of you here as well. God's providential care is there with you to go through it, not to avoid it. Because you see, there are things that I know in my life now that I needed to go through in my life and if I would have gone around them, I wouldn't have gained the lessons that I learned personally. And, and you're probably not like that. I know I am. There are things that have happened in my life that there's no way that I would have learned as much if I would have avoided them as going through them and saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I, I, I really don't know how. And God says, just take a step. And maybe today he's saying that to you. You have some things going on in your life right now that you'd like to just run from. He said, don't run. By the way, you can't hide from me. (laughs) You can run, but you can't hide. He says, if you run, I'm going to run with you. No matter how fast you run, I can run faster. (laughs) So let me walk with you. Love me and let me walk with you. Because I believe that those are the circumstances in your life and my life that he doesn't want you only to learn from them. He wants you to learn from them so that when someone comes along beside you in your life and they're going through some of those things in their life, you say, you know what, I don't know your circumstances and I don't know your pain, but can I share with you what God did when he showed up and showed off in my life? Can I share with you how God worked in my life as I was going through? I know my situation is very different from yours, but I don't know where I would be today if I would have turned away and ran from God then. But instead, I just decided I will not be moved. God, if I move at all, it's going to be because you moved me. And the psalmist said to us, you can believe that God is your protector. You can believe and be thankful that God is your provider. And I think as well, we need to be reminded that we can be thankful that God is my promise keeper. Look at verse uh, 9 through 13. He's my promise keeper. It says, "'If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you will make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent, for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways.'" They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Look how many times that it's I will and he will and and you will. Uh, No harm will, no disaster will, for he will. All of these things. God is making promise after promise after promise in these verses. And he's made promises to you and I. And I would urge you to write down... When you're in your quiet time with God and you're spending some time with Him in the morning or whenever you do it, begin the process of journaling, writing down times when God makes a promise. You look at a verse and you say, you know what, God, you're speaking to me. Write it down. Accumulate those. Write those things down. Those are promises for you and me that I know that God is speaking to me. He's speaking to you in those particular times and it's not just a random occurrence. It's not a random act. He wants you to know that He makes promises to you, and His promises are true. He's going to claim. He's going to do it. Haven't you ever made a... I think sometimes with me that the reason sometimes I struggle with is God going to keep His promise is because I haven't always been a promise keeper. Now, I'm sure you've never done this before. You have children, and you your children went Disney comes in the conversation the the conversation rises up to are we going to go this weekend <laughs> maybe are, are and if we go this weekend can i do this? yeah maybe you can do that that only works for so long until your children understand that maybe means what no we're not going. no we're not going yeah i just didn't have the guts to say no we're not going <laughs> i said maybe You know, the promises that God is making to you right now about your life, about your health, about how He wants to use you, about your marriage, about your future, about your career, He'll keep those. Now, what I do know is this. God keeps his promises. There's one component that he doesn't ever let us know completely all the time, and it's when. It's when he's going to do this. But in Moses' case, if he's looking back at this, he knew that God. if he would just cling close to God, and if you say that the Lord is my refuge, God is saying, if you say that, you will make the most out of your dwelling there's there's a cause and effect action that happens he says then no harm will overtake you no disaster will come near your tent and what's interesting to me is verse 11 and 12, was used by the enemy in Matthew 4 7 in the temptation in the wilderness. After Jesus had been tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy came upon him, and he, there were three different times that, that the enemy came to him and tried to tempt him to, to put God to the test on particular things. and This is one of those verses. These, this uh, 11 and 12 were used by the enemy, and it doesn't minimize what God was doing, but what it does is the enemy tries to lure Jesus to think, you know, if God really was God, you could really do anything, and He's going to protect you. You could jump off of that, and he, you know, he remember, remember the Word says, and Jesus answered him by saying, not by saying the Word didn't say that, but what He did say is, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. Let me illustrate this. 15 to 17 years old in my life, there was a bridge that everybody jumped off of. (laughs) 70 plus feet to the water, easily. Five to seven seconds of hang time. Water was deep most of the time. Stupid stuff. You, you're not going to jump off of there, and you're like, "Man, I shouldn't jump off of here." You're looking down. You you can't hardly look down because when you look down, if you get too close to the edge. You fall because you know. I don't know what happens with me. It's like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to," and then you do. And but eventually, get to the point it becomes easier get to the edge you climb you survive the one and there are people that tried the cannonball thing for that and they only did it one time because their knees were driven up to their chin and because it's such a hard fall hard hit when you hit the water but do you know what the more that i did that the less it made me afraid and i don't think that was a healthy fear I think the more that I did it, the more I got used to putting God to the test to say, I can do this and nothing's going to happen to me. I can stand on the edge. I can jump in the water at 70 feet, 60 to 70 feet down there. Nothing happened to me. I do know of some guys that are older than me that jumped in another area and the water was not as deep. And at least two of them that I know of ended up with severe damage, and one of them was paralyzed. You see, I think that God gives us this, this brain, to use to not put Him to the test and the promises He's made. And I think that's what the psalmist is reminding us is that, yes, God is going to be your provider. He's going to provide and He's going to answer the promises, but He wants you to be a responsible recipient of the promises He's made. You know, this last one in verses 14 through 16 is one that I am so thankful for. I'm so thankful that God is my friend. That God is my friend. Look at 14 through 16. It says, because He loves me, says the Lord... I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. This is, this is the reason. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. When Crystal read that up here, you could see her countenance. Did you notice that? And it wasn't when Crystal got to 14 through 16, and she started reading that. Same thing happened in the other hour. Pam, my wife, read in the other hour. 14 through 16 are like this happy time is, is that God says to you and to me, because he loves me, and it's like, wow, what is God going to do? Because I'm his friend. I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. What powerful verses. What an amazing thing it is to know that God is your friend. God desires to be everyone's friend. God desires to, be, uh, to have everyone to be his child. But do you know what? In my life and in your life, there was a time in your life when you became a child of God because you haven't always been a child of God. Yes, you're made in the image of God, but you haven't always been a child of God. You became a child of God the moment you received Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says, yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not children born of flesh and blood, but children born of the Spirit. That moment that you entered into the Father's house and you became one of his kids, the promises that he made, the protection that he provides, the providential care that he provides, it's like you're one of his own kids. Why would He not want to love you? You're His. He knows you by name. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything that's ever going to happen in your life. And He loves you. He loves you. Do you remember at the beginning of our time, I asked you a question. I'm going to ask you to think back at that again. How would you fill in the blank? I'm thankful that. I'm thankful that. Let me share a few of mine with you. I'm thankful that God is patient with me. I'm thankful that Jesus is my Savior. I'm thankful that He has given me an amazing wife of over 40 years. I'm thankful that He has blessed us with two amazing children. I'm thankful that He has me in a church of people just like you. I'm thankful that He knows the future and I don't. And I'm thankful that I'm being held in his hand and he'll never let me go. What are you thankful that? Maybe today the first thing where this all enters into your life is where it entered in my life. So you need to be thankful that Jesus died in your place. And that he provided an opportunity for you to know him personally maybe today that's where it begins with you, is that you really need to know more about Jesus by knowing Jesus personally. You may know him historically, but you don't know him personally. And that's where it began with me. That's where this all began with me, as a personal relationship with Christ. And from that point on, growing closer and closer and falling more in love with him to the point that I believe that he's my protector that I believe that he's my provider, I believe that he's my promise keeper, and I really believe that he's my friend and I can come to him with anything. There's nothing that'll ever happen in my life or your life that he doesn't already know about. But the crazy thing is he loves you anyway. Maybe that's where it begins with you. Maybe you already know him and what you need to do, the next step that you need to do is you need to join a group of others, who love the Lord like you do, that you can study the scriptures together with. You need to join a group. You need to join a life group. Maybe you need to come back to the next step area, right? As as soon as this message is over, you need to join a group. Maybe you need to say, you know, I haven't been able to find a group yet. I have a group for you. Five o'clock to 6.15 tonight. I would love to have you join me over in the fellowship hall, the building next door. And love to have you join me as we study the scriptures together for all of those folks that may be right where you are that said, you know, I haven't been able to find a group yet. Group. Wherever you are, there's no accident you're here today. Could have chosen a million places to be. I'm glad you're here. I really am. I'm glad you're here today to not only hear this amazing music that you heard, But to see how God brought both of this. This is how you fight your battles. It it, it better be. Because if you're not surrounded by him and allowing him to surround you, as that song says, you're out in the open. Vulnerable. The enemy keeps you that way. Vulnerable and out in the open. But he wants you to be surrounded by others to fight the battles of life, not on your own, but with Him. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to to not only hear some amazing music and to be reminded not only that you've provided a way for us to fight our battles, but that you are our King. God, I pray that, that today as we've looked together quickly into Psalm 91, that we, like Moses, would have been encouraged that you want to be our protector, you want to be our provider, you want to be our promise keeper. And most of all, God, you want to be our friend, a friend that we can trust in any time, a friend that we can run to with things that we're excited about and things that we're fearful about. God, I pray for that person that's here today that has never made that kind of decision. They they want to, but something is keeping them back. I pray that today will be a new beginning, that today will be the day that they step across the line and say, "I, I want Jesus. I don't want to know about him any longer. I want to know him. God, I pray for that person that's looking for a group, and I pray that they would go back to the the next area, and they would, they would find a group, and they would join into that group, and they would lean heavy into it and learn from it and want to contribute and want to invite others to it. God, we give our lives to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. We pray, God, that you would use us this week, this day, to make a difference in the lives of others.